morning or good night or good afternoon if you're in Qatar. Uh, it's almost December for the entire nation. How is that? That's not even possible. I can't wrap my brain around it, but I just keep saying it so that it becomes more real. Thanks for hanging out with us. We're live from the Rocket Mortgage Studios. Do you need to know what it takes for a home to fit your budget and your family? Rocket can. On Twitter, A Law Radio, also on our Facebook page, After Hours with Amy Lawrence. We're asking you with six weeks left in the NFL regular season, what burning questions deserve answers? And D posts on our Facebook page, what the heck happened to Russ? He didn't fall off a little bit. He went from really good to really bad. Hashtag let's ride. Oh, yes, it's become the punchline to be sure. That's just one burning question, and I'm seeing others as you weigh in on both Twitter and Facebook, so we'll get to those. We've got an extended version of QB News on this show to prepare you for Week 13 in the NFL, which kicks off with the Bills and the Patriots at Gillette Stadium in Foxborough. So at least on paper, that should be a good matchup. Anything in the AFC East and the NFC Beast is interesting right now. So we'll get to more football. We've also got, we've got some good back and forth uh, between former teammates. It's a little scintillating. Uh, and I don't know about you, but I'm still trying to figure out what the heck happened to the Jaguars mascot over the weekend. All of that's still ahead on this edition of After Hours. But we're pleased to welcome longtime Denver Broncos insider Troy Rank, who joins us from Denver 7. And Troy, I remember... The last time we spoke with you was the preseason and the Broncos had traded for Russell Wilson and you were telling me, and it wasn't just you, it was everywhere. The excitement, the energy, the optimism emanating from the facilities, how people around the Broncos, the players, they couldn't wait to get started on the season. Here we are now with six weeks remaining. My question is a little bit of the same. What is the atmosphere around Denver these days? Yeah, it's demoralizing. It's just such a stark uh, juxtaposition from where we were even before the start of the season. And, and they're not the NFL's most disappointing team. They're in the top three because Wilson was going to change everything. With Hackett's energy, caffeinate the building, his offensive mind, and Wilson, you know, this longtime pro bowler with a chance to kind of finish out the legacy part of his career – and not only has it not worked, it's just been a colossal failure offensively. And it's not just Wilson, not just Hackett. I think separately their offensive strategies can work, but together when you combine this recipe, it tastes like pine tar. They've been awful. I mean, 14 points a game. It's their worst offense through 11 games since 1966. Oh. That's when they had the caricature horse on the side of the helmet. They didn't even have a D on the helmet. <laughs> so, you know, and they've had injuries. They've had ineffectiveness. Coach Hackett's look like. He's been mismatched for the role. Wilson's dealt, dealt with stuff between his lat and his hamstring, but nobody cares in the NFL. I mean, you know this, Amy. Like 90% of the people don't care about your problems, and the other 10% are glad you have them. <laughs> and this is where they are. It's just a colossal disappointment for a team that thought they were going to end their six-year playoff drought and their streak of five straight losing seasons, and none of that's possible now. Do you believe that it's more disappointing and demoralizing because the expectations were so much higher to start the year? Absolutely. You know, it'll be seven years without the playoffs. 
And this is clearly the most disappointing because of the reframed expectations with the arrival of Russell Wilson, because it felt like during this stretch, at least a couple of those seasons, they were a quarterback away from being back in the hunt, you know, being in the mix. And instead, with the addition of Wilson, it's unspeakably worse. That's the thing. Like, if they were averaging 19 points a game, you're like, okay, that's what they averaged last year. It hasn't worked, but they're 5-6 and six, or they're 6-5, and five, and they're not very good, but they're technically in it. That's what I would have seen as the floor. Like, the floor for me was 7-10. and 10. I predicted them to be 10-7. and seven. I didn't think they were, you know, one of the Super Bowl and all that. I just thought they were going to be have a winning record, at the, you know, and be in the playoff hunt. And they haven't won a game, Amy, in the States since September 25th. They haven't won a road oh. game this year in the United States. Like, it's, they've lost seven of eight. They've had, they have one touchdown in the third quarter this season. Russell Wilson has, has not thrown a touchdown pass to a receiver at home once. Not once. Like I'm saying, every, you just, if you dig deeper, it's this archaeological excavation of stats that just make your head spin. Like, mm. it can't be this bad. And then you just put the shovel and dig another layer. And like, oh, my God, I've never thought that would happen. And that's where they are. And, again, there's a number of reasons. Russell has not played well, clearly, and his regression has been alarming. Not a fit in this offense. They don't have weapons around him. They've been hurt. I mean, there's a lot of reasons. But nobody, nobody thought it would be this bad. Reporters continue to ask about the locker room, and you use the word demoralizing, but is that locker room staying together? Are they continuing to push forward? Are they still following Russ? Those are questions that keep coming up, and there's been pushback, but what do you see from the group? Has it stayed together despite the disappointment? The report from NFL Networks that he's lost guys in the locker room, and I think you just need to make a delineation. For, and I'm in there every day covering it. Have some guys lost confidence in Russ and in this vision? Yeah, they have. They're three and eight. They're the, if they're not the worst team, they're right there with the Texans. It's not even you know specific to Russ. They've lost confidence in believing this thing could turn around. But there's still a lot of respect for Russell and his resume. It's just NFL is about winning. It's about one thing: winning. And when you don't win, it draws all of this stuff into question. And Russell Wilson isn't for everybody. I've covered what, 12 quarterbacks since Peyton Manning. Then you're not going to have the entire locker room behind you. That's just not the case. Uh, the, the hard part for Russell is everything he does is scrutinized. Everything. And he puts himself in this position, too, because he's active on social media. It was more, more so in camp and early in the season. He's lined himself up for some of this criticism as well. But you ask about the locker room. You know, for the most part, guys respect Russ. You know, they, they respect his work ethic. They respect what he's trying to do. But I, I've seen a lost confidence in kind of the process that, you know, while guys like Hackett, I mean, they're being realistic. They're a terrible team right now. That's just who they are. They're 3-8, and eight and they just got punked by the Panthers. So you start looking on their schedule. Who are they going to beat? That was, for me, the last really winnable game. Other than maybe Arizona at home. I can't pick them to win a road game. They haven't won a road game all year except in London. This is what you deal with when you're a bad team. I've covered 15 years of the Rockies and now these last seven back on the Broncos beat. This is the kind of stories that come out when you lose, and especially when you had expectations. For sure. Losing definitely exacerbates and exposes any little crack uh, in the dam. Denver Broncos insider Troy Rank from Denver 7 is with us after hours on CBS Sports Radio. Do you believe the Broncos, with new ownership now and a second-year general manager, will give them the time to change? Or do you believe this is something that's going to result in changes in the offseason? 
I would be surprised if Coach Hackett survives this. I don't root for anybody to get fired. But, Amy, he was brought in to fix the offense with right. a, you know, a potentially Hall of Fame quarterback. And not only have they not fixed it, it's gotten dramatically worse. And that falls on his doorstep. And I'm not blaming him totally, but that's what you sign up for. He was brought in really for one thing, bring energy, build relationships. But more than anything, give us a functional offense. And they've been horrible. He finally gave up play calling a couple of weeks ago to Clint Kubiak, and it's looked a little better, but that should have happened weeks ago. It's just too many missteps that I don't think Hackett can survive, that he ran training camp, which is very light training camp with a lot of days off to prioritize health. That was his whole goal, and they're the most injured team in the league. Then you say, well, these guys, they, they respect this way we're doing it. It makes them sharper mentally and the way we're doing well, they're the most penalized team in the league. Well, they're going to be better offensively because of the scheme. They're the worst offense in the league. Mm. That, those are the things, and he had to hire Jerry Rosberg out of retirement after a couple of weeks because they couldn't get in and out of the huddle correctly. I, it just It's so many things that have worked against Hackett. I don't know that he can survive this. Now, again, they were to win four of their last six games, and the offense would look like it's clicking, and he's more comfortable in a coaching role and not being the coordinator. You know, maybe, but he's he's put himself in a tough position because it's it's much easier to move on from him. Russell, they're right. going to have to trust for one more year. They're not moving on from Russell after this year because of the cap hit. Even to move on from him after next year, the cap hit would be enormous. You know, basically seventy nine million spread over two years. But they're they're in with Russell at least for one more year, if not two. So essentially, their wagon is hitched to his star, regardless. At least for now. That's the thing. You've got to try to make it work with Wilson. So let's say you move on from Hackett. You try to go get uh, Dan Quinn and a Daryl Bevel, guys he's worked with. I'm not even saying that would work. This is just me talking hypothetically. Or you get you promote uh, Ageroke, the defensive coordinator, and bring in an offensive coordinator that can work with Russell. I mean, he's gone through some coordinators in Seattle. that They've had trouble finding a fit for him his last few years there. But whoever the next coach is, you've got to get in and, and – Number one thing is to try to get him right. And the, my concern is that if you look at since he hurt his finger and had surgery, his last 19 games dating back to last season, he's got 23 touchdowns and 10 picks. If that's who he is, even that's a problem. That would be welcome based on what he's done this year. But if that is who he is, I would suggest you need to treat him like Tom Brady, Tom Brady and Drew Brees in that you just get as much talent around him as possible. That at age 34, he'll turn 35 next season. He's not capable of just lifting guys by himself, which most quarterbacks aren't, and just surround him with more talent. And I'm talking like five to six new offensive starters and make a run at it to see if that can revive this plan that you had when you originally acquired him. Because, again, no team's trading for him, even if the money's pared down. And the cap hit after one year would – be basically to accelerate almost 80 million into the cap so you'd be playing on a 53-man roster with like 30 rookies to balance the payroll because you'd be paying him 80 million not to play for you but it's complicated and the easiest way out would be that Russell gets down around him and he revives and he looks better but it's just hard for Broncos fans to have hope right now because they thought this year was going to be different and it's been anything but 
Troy Rank is with us from Denver looking at what has been a mess of a science project for the Broncos. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence here on CBS Sports Radio. Some of the numbers that jump out to me are the ones that are the clutch numbers. So last in the league in red zone, 30th in the league on third down. That's never who Russell Wilson was. In fact, he was the opposite. Maybe not the most talented quarterback, but he certainly seemed to perform in the clutch. So when you say there's a disconnect, it seems like that something they could do to get on the same page that that would be fixable and yet it's very disjointed yeah i mean especially when he and hackett were calling plays i mean i've done the all 22 review a few times and against the titans specifically it reminded me of like when dads coached youth football you had like four different dads coaching and one's (laughs) running the first quarter the second quarter third and fourth and you're just calling plays in a vacuum you're not sequencing you're not setting stuff up and it's like, I want to run my two plays. Okay, then you get your two plays. And then you run. And then that's when you watch it, it just doesn't connect. It's like, again, individually, you could argue on the behalf of each play, but the NFL play callers, they set stuff up. And we're going to run these three times because it's going to bring the safety in. Like, it's just like sequencing with pitching. And we just don't see that. And, you know, they haven't had balance. That's the one thing they did pretty well last year is run the football. And, What's most troubling about it, Amy, is they have no identity offensively. True. Like if you ask, what do they do well offensively? The answer is nothing. They don't do anything well offensively. Last year, they ran the football pretty well. On you know most games, they were pretty good on the ground. They can't even say that this year. They can't say one thing they do well. And again, Russell likes to take chances. He likes to scramble around, but he hasn't been able to elude pressure. His eyes go down, and so he misses some of the easy passes in front of him that this year, like in the past, he wouldn't need because he'd scramble around, miss, but he'd throw it up to you know Metcalf or Lockett, and they make a play. He doesn't have Metcalf and Lockett here. He doesn't have anyone like that on this team. So when he scrambles around, they don't seem to you know, come back to the ball like I think he's used to. And I've asked him this, like, Russ, why don't you just take the layups in the offense, the quick hitters, the slants, the – the screens and and it's like well yeah I, I get that but we got to still be aggressive and again I I know what he's saying but the personnel doesn't match that Amy they can't protect him the guys aren't even at the top of their route before he's getting hit Ugh. and so it's just problematic that way like again you wanting to do something is fine but we got to look what is our personnel right now who are we right now what can we do well with the guys we're rolling out there on Sunday and at times, it just hasn't made much sense to me, frankly. Like, they're running an offense that fit in March that does not fit now in November. It strikes me that now this is a team that resembles something like the Browns have been or the Panthers or even the Washington Commanders, though they have had a defense that has helped them. But it's constant revolving door at the quarterback position. It's a constant revolving door at some of the key coaching positions. And I say it a lot. It's it's not rocket science. Constant change in sports equals constant losing. And here the Broncos are stuck in this cycle uh, coming off of the Peyton Manning era in Super Bowl 50. They haven't had any consistency at the key positions. That's been a huge issue is we thought with new ownership, GM George Payton, Hackett and Wilson, it would create stability. And there's going to be some change. That's 100% certain how deep it goes. We don't know yet, but there's going to be some change, certainly this offseason. But when you look at it, you know, ever since Gary Kubiak, Peyton Manning and DeMarcus Ware left, it has just been an absolute mess. Since Kubiak, you've had what, five offensive coordinators, you've had four head coaches, you've had 12 quarterbacks. Like, it just never ends. 
and you can't stop the madness. And that's why the Wilson thing was supposed to stop it. But you're right. When you look at teams that fail, whether it's the Raiders since they were in that Super Bowl with Tampa Bay or the Browns or the Lions, I mean, what is the common thread? Constant turnover at coach, GM, quarterback. Yeah. And if you can't get those positions right, it's hard to win because what I've observed in the NFL, which is different than college where one player like Caleb Williams could show up at USC and change a program, one guy can't typically do that in the NFL. I mean, maybe a year of Josh Allen or, a, you know, a Lamar Jackson, but it's an anomaly because it's so difficult in the NFL where the talent level is even for the most part to overcome dysfunction of your own franchise. And that's what we've seen here. The losing culture is so embedded after six and a half years of this. I was talking to Nick Kostmeiner of The Athletic about this. It's not that you can spray Febreze or hang one of those little Christmas trees from your rearview mirror. The stench is in the in the floorboards. It's not, you can't just take it to the car wash. It's embedded and it's going to take more than a coach and a quarterback to fix it. The realization is clobbered us all over the head that this wasn't a two man fix. And they still have two games against the chiefs on their schedule, as well as a battle on the road at Baltimore coming up this weekend. Uh, And then the chargers too, to wrap up the season. So at the very least, you're talking four of the last six games against playoff teams. It's after hours here on CBS sports radio with Troy rank. Would you like to see Peyton Manning more involved? I know he's there in Denver, and there was some talk about him with the new ownership group, uh, but I don't know how much he's involved. Would you like to see more of that? When he's ready. He's doing so much, you know, with between gambling, through Peyton's places, through traveling. He coaches his, his son in, in tackle football. <laughs> I, it, it's just in his son, Marshall. So he's like, I think, 10 now or 11. I just don't think the timing's right in his life, honestly. Like, if he were going to be involved, it was like, he'll be the GM. GMs work like 90 hours a week. He doesn't <laughs> need to. Right. He's unbelievably wealthy. He sets his own schedule. He does what he wants to do. And why would he come into this now? Like, I would, if I were him, I'd exercise patience and wait till it starts to turn the corner a little bit. Because anyone that is connected to this right now just gets blamed. And you'd hate to see that with Peyton. But would I like to see, yeah, at some point in the right role, whether that would be you know, team president. I just don't think he'd want to be the GM. Mm-hmm. I, I just me personally because of the time. Now, if his kids were off to college or something, that's totally different. But I just, he travels every weekend. He does whatever he wants, whenever he wants. I, it just doesn't make sense right now. Uh, I think there might be a time it does. Mm-hmm. But I don't see it right now. I was thinking about how John Elway got involved with the front office and got involved with the team and how that seemingly did change things. Uh, after he retired, there was also a period where they couldn't find a franchise quarterback. Um, and then he gets involved. He recruits Peyton. Things really turn around because of who he was and the credibility he had. Seems like anything that they could do right now to find some positivity or forward energy would be a step a step up. Yeah, I mean, the fans would love it. I mean, because Peyton is just revered here. And he lives here. I mean, that's the thing. Right. He's around. He's, he goes to all the games. So he certainly has his pulse on it. But the thing about Peyton is like, the Peyton I know and have covered and you know him, he doesn't do anything halfway. So, again, it would just have to be the right fit and the right timing in his life because he doesn't really answer to anyone. Peyton's not subservient to anyone. Like, he's in <laughs> control. So what would that role look like? Is that team president? is you know i i don't know that that's what i'm saying like if he, if there's a gm and then what would peyton's role be in that and so because he just doesn't do anything halfway ever and so he's so he's more detail oriented than any person i've ever met in my life 
And that's why if that role showed up that he wanted, yeah, I just right now we're where his kids are in their lives. Sure. I don't think he wants that. I just, he doesn't, he really enjoys spending time with his kids and being part of their life. And once you become a GM type or president, that all kind of goes away. Mm. And we do not want to lose him and Eli on Monday Night Football because that has got to be some of the most entertaining TV that is out there. Exactly, yeah. Don't want to lose the Manning cast. Oh yeah, but he goodness. would not be able to do that if he was running part of an NFL team. <laughs> right. Oh, goodness. Okay, so you can find Troy on Twitter at Troy Rank, R-E-N-C-K. Denver Broncos insider for Denver 7. Uh, also on 104.3, the fan is an insider and just kind of laid it out there with six weeks to go in the season. Troy, I appreciate it. I knew that you would give us the cold, hard truth. Thank you so much for a couple of minutes. You got it, Amy. Take care. Have a great night. The unthinkable has happened in Denver, but Troy does not hold back. And how bad it's gotten, though he does believe that the guys still like Russ and that all hope is not lost, just in this case, there's no quick fix. And yeah, his response to my question about the constant change since Peyton Manning retired, wowzers. Eye-opening. Again, cold, hard, but definitely truth. So there's burning questions in Denver. Where else in the NFL do you see burning questions? On Twitter, After Hours CBS. Also on our Facebook page, starting to see your responses come in. What burning questions deserve answers in the final six weeks of the NFL regular season? It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio. You are listening to the After Hours Podcast. Herbert from the shotgun. Win or lose. Eckler goes in motion. Herbert to pass. Caught. It's good. It's good. Herbert to Gerald Everett. And they take a one-point lead. This is After Hours with Amy Lawrence. It was one of the choices for TD of the week, and that the two-point conversion as Brandon Staley and the Chargers went for two with 15 seconds remaining to get the victory in the desert instead of settling for a tie and likely overtime. Matt Money-Smith. That's what he calls himself, Matt Money Smith. <laughs> I had to ask if that was his actual name. Is his name Money Smith? Jay said, no, it's just Smith. But he calls himself Money Smith. I think years ago when I tried to reach out to him once um, to come on a show I was working on, I called him Matt Money Smith. I was like, hey, Matt Money Smith. Because like, that's what it said his name was. And like when I saw it, and I, he never ever responded to me. <laughs> oh, huh. Maybe that's how he delineates between the haves and the have-nots. Yeah. If you call him Money Smith. I thought I was being polite. Uh, oh. <laughs> if the guy wants me to call him, that's what I'm going to call him. <laughs> Matt Smith on Chargers Radio. This comes at the expense of the Cardinals, who fall to 1-6 and six at home. They're 4-8 and eight overall, basement of the NFC West, and they are, well, basement of the NFC West along with the Super Bowl champions, which is astounding. And they're one and six in their own stadium. It's after hours here on CBS Sports Radio. Kyler Murray is taking a lot of flack. Quarterbacks always do. Can we just put this on the table, please? All cards on the table. It's never as simple as 
it's the quarterback and only the quarterback. And it blows me away that sometimes people blame the quarterback and it's not even the quarterback. How many times has Derek Carr been blamed for the issues in Vegas or with the Raiders over the last, say, five years? And how bad the defenses have been. Carr's putting up above average numbers and yet he gets blamed even though it's the defense that can't stop anyone. Tom Brady situation. And I'm not saying he's playing at an MVP level, but remember last year he was number two to Aaron Rodgers for the MVP. His numbers, they're still top 10 in the NFL. They don't have a run game. The offensive line stinks. They've had receivers on and off the field. Tom Brady's getting rid of the ball more quickly than he ever has in his entire career. That's saying something. But the numbers, that they actually clock these things, and the seconds that that uh, they he has had to shave off his release time means he's releasing the football more quickly now than he ever has before. Why? Because he's under duress. Most snaps. And yet somehow it's Tom Brady's fault that the Buccaneers aren't winning. I mean, he bears blame to be sure, but it's it's always blows me away. But that is the plight of a quarterback, especially in the NFL. You get far more of the credit than you deserve when things are going well, and you shoulder a massive amount of blame when the team is losing, even if it's not your fault. In the case of Kyler Murray, he's definitely not playing at the level he was at the beginning of his career. We know there have been injuries in the past, but the Cardinals chose to give him the big contract. And more and more, you're hearing ex-teammates Others in the NFL start to pile on Kyler, which is always an interesting phenomenon to me. I'm sure you've heard of the podcast with Patrick Peterson and Bryant McFadden, who is a frequent guest here on the show. The podcast is titled All Things Covered. Ha ha. And Patrick is a former Cardinal himself, taking aim at Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray don't care about nobody but Kyler Murray. <laughs> That's just a matter of the fact. Kyler Murray doesn't care about nobody but Kyler Murray. That's just a fact. And right before that, Bryant McFadden had said on the podcast that maybe Kyler should keep some of his thoughts private, so not air his dirty laundry everywhere, right? Not say some of the things in press conferences that he said. You remember the one comment from this past weekend that went viral is the one in which he was talking about the schematics and we were effed because our schematics were off, right? So it was was either him talking about the play call or the personnel on the field. It was a backhanded way of saying it wasn't going to work because of the way the coaches set us up. Are you telling me that you have it, Jay? Okay, so here you can hear Kyler for yourself. Interception. Yeah. Did you like the call? Did you feel like you had hop? Um, no, it wasn't. That wasn't for hop, actually. Um, schematically, I mean, they kind of we we were kind of. All right. He doesn't say that was on me or that was my fault or nah. He points to schematics. 
and it comes in response to a question about the play call, about how the play was designed. We've seen him get into his coach's face. Now, I'm not necessarily going to, you know, pile on there because that happens. We see players and coaches bark at each other. Cliff Kingsbury has taken the high road and has laughed it off as it's a Gen Z thing, and that's just Kyler, and we both want to win. But it's clear there's fractions in their relationship. And if you missed our conversation with Tyler Drake from earlier in the week, we talked about their relationship, and he gave us some great insight as part of our podcast, After Hours, amylawrence.com. So once again, this is Patrick Peterson talking about Kyler, and then listen to what he has to say about the future in Arizona. Kyler Murray don't care about nobody but Kyler Murray. <laughs> That's just a matter of the fact. You think Cliff Kingsbury may be the scapegoat in regards to their struggles? It ain't no f- maybe. He will. He will be. Yeah, yeah he will be. Uh-huh. He will be. And the crazy thing about it, the guy who hired him will still have a job. Patrick Peterson and Brian McFadden on All Things Covered. Peterson played with Kyler Murray for two years in 19 and 20. I do think that's one of the coaching jobs that is likely to be open at the end of the season if they don't have some type of a meteoric rise through the final six weeks of the regular season because it's astounding. A lot of times, and Marco Belletti's here in studio, when there isn't a particular, and I don't want to say number necessarily, but a particular fix that you can point to on the field, meaning it's not an X's and O's thing, it's not a, a personnel thing, it's chemistry or it's intangibles that's when coaches tend to get bounced now losing does it too but in this case there's something wrong there it's it's broken and there's no real reason why it should be because they have pieces around him the defense has actually played better than expectations and yet they stink yeah, and Kingsbury, who's part of the problem in my mind, but he's going to get all the blame simply because you've already hitched your wagon to Kyler Murray. You gave him the contract, you got to keep him. He's now your quarterback. He's obviously not real that rotten, real happy with his head coach. You're going to move on. It's as simple as that. It's, it's the way the NFL works. It's the way every team, every organization, if you've hitched your wagon to one or the other, you've picked. Now, usually those are the two biggest prime examples, but mm-hmm. the quarterback especially, you felt you had the right guy with Kyler Murray and you gave him the big contract, video game and all that stuff aside, you gave him the contract. He's now your guy. Well, guess what? If he doesn't want the, co- the coach and you guys think, the coach is gone. Well, and that's very similar to what we just heard from Troy Rank in Denver is that they can't get rid of the Russell Wilson piece, not right now, because it would, ru- it would screw the franchise beyond what they can manage. And so it's likely to be Nathaniel Hackett because the two of them are not on the same page and it's a massive disconnect. Uh, I mean, it's a complete and total failure in Denver, and that's what it's been. So something has to change. The easiest one to change there, and again, he's been a big part of the problem. The easy change there is Nathaniel Hackett. You can't move on from Russell Wilson, even if you wanted to right now, which I think if they had a mulligan, they'd probably take it. Unless the Colts want to trade for him. No chance. (laughs) There's no chance. (laughs) Well, you know, that's their thing these days. They trade for quarterbacks in the offseason. Don't worry. They'll have an opportunity to overpay Jimmy Garoppolo in the offseason, and they'll try to fix their way that way. The Colts will hey, figure out what they're Hey, at least there are running. wins when Jimmy Garoppolo is running the offense. Again, everybody's going to go through their different situations. Russell Wilson is married to Denver, whether Denver wants to be there, he wants him there, or whether Russell Wilson still wants to be in Denver. They're stuck together now. There's no choice. 
You're going to need to listen to our interview with Troy. Good stuff there. Good stuff. Okay, so so those are some burning questions, right? What happens in these two situations with the head coaches, with the quarterbacks? Uh, but as I say, more and more inside the NFL fraternity are starting to pile on Kyler. He's uh, he's I wouldn't say he's worn out his welcome completely, but he's got fewer friends in the NFL than he used to. On Twitter, after our CBS. It's disrespectful. Or my Twitter, A-Law Radio. Oh, I guess I should mention, by the way, that he did respond. Sorry, it's not fair to only give you the other side of it. He did tweet in response to this clip. This isn't true. You on some weird bleep P2. You got my number. If you really felt like this as a big bro or mentor, you're supposed to call me and tell me, not drag me so your podcast can grow. So that's Kyler on his social media responding to Patrick Peterson. And Peterson's still in the league, obviously, and they were teammates. So I can understand why he takes exception to it, only to say that that's just one example. There are people who are more than willing now to speak out about Kyler and what's gone wrong there. Uh, again, though, but there is a, there, there's a disconnect for me with Patrick Peterson. You're claiming that Kingsbury's going to be the fall guy, and everybody's pointing to that, and really everybody should take care of their own stuff, and then you throw Kyler Murray under the bus. It's really, it is ridiculous. Like, you can't do both sides of it. If you're going to try to take the high road, then take the high road. And in that regard, Kyler Murray's right. You got my number? You, you got a problem with me? Or you had a problem with me when we were together? Maybe you could have told me when you were I mean, staring in my face instead of talking about it on your podcast. It is good podcast material. Here, right. we, here we are using it. We we appreciate that. Thank you, Patrick. This is a Gen Z thing. <laughs> also podcasting, a Gen Z thing. <laughs> Again, great for just us. Just kidding. Everyone has podcasts. <laughs> I mean, but really, the fact that they can't talk to each other, it's it's just it's the world we live in. I understand. It's just ridiculous to me. It really it's is. It's too hard. So, <laughs> yeah. Social media is the opposite of social, and it's definitely not media. And yet, that's what we call it. You are listening to the After Hours Podcast. Browns are going to try to run it in right here behind James Hudson. That's right. Hudson, the fullback, motion down the line by Harrison Bryant. Brissett underneath center. Second and goal. Tampa Bay was offside. They give the ball to Chubb. He's driving for the goal line. He is. He's in. He's in. Touchdown, Nick Chubb, and the Browns are winners. This is After Hours with Amy Lawrence. Nick Chubb into the end zone in overtime, the walk-off TD. It was one of the more stunning results of Week 12 in the NFL against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We know it was devastating for Tom Brady because he had still not slept on Monday afternoon when he was recording his podcast, and I'd never heard him that upset over a loss, even this season when the losses have piled up. Of course, it came after David Njoku with, what was it, 32 seconds Receives the touchdown pass in the back of the end zone in regulation from Jacoby Brissett. One-handed with his left. A lefty one-handed touchdown grab under duress. And so the Browns were able to rally. Good way for Jacoby Brissett to go out. But going out, he is. Because the team and the offense have now been handed over to Deshaun Watson. Reinstated completely this week with no stipulations from the NFL. The league claims that he has met all the requirements that they've laid out for him 
to return to be reinstated after his 11-game suspension. And so into week 13, you're looking for burning questions the final month and a half of the NFL regular season. This is definitely one that I'm seeing from you on Twitter and on Facebook. So you can find us After Hours with Amy Lawrence, also our YouTube channel. Producer Jay tells me in order to compete in the upcoming we're going to have a contest, a Christmassy contest to win T-shirts, maybe an after-hour Zoom room. We want to do something fun in December. And Jay says we need to involve the YouTube channel. Now, I was just thinking red and green M&Ms. That shows you how creative and also where my brain goes. But, Jay, what are you thinking about It's a good YouTube place to channel? start, the M&Ms. I like the colors. I like the theme. Mm-hmm. I like the idea of the guessing. Maybe we could do a YouTube, a YouTube video where there's clues. And so people have to go to the watch our video to pick up on the clues. Maybe they have to have to guess a particular phrase or throughout the show. Yeah, oh, find this in the podcast of hour two. But you said YouTube. You love the YouTube channel. No, right. But we can incorporate all of the platforms. Oh, all of the various social medias. Right. <laughs> Head over to our Facebook page to find uh, the next clue. Facebook is the and devil. Go to the Twitter. But yes, we're... Yeah, we're social media scavenger hunt. <laughs> so, there you go. Uh, we definitely are asking you burning questions right now on Twitter and Facebook, but also uh, find us on YouTube to make producer Jay happy. Uh, our latest video is an Ask Amy Anything video version, and it's a holiday theme, not just Thanksgiving, though we did at Thanksgiving week uh, really is about this entire time of the year. Your questions on Facebook, though, many of you pointing to Deshaun Watson. How will he do? He has not played meaningful football in nearly two years. He did not speak as he returned to practice with the Cleveland Browns and started prepping heavy for the Houston Texans. But his coach, his teammates, they all say they're thrilled to have him back. We're excited that Deshaun's able to play for us. I mean, we're excited that he's back out there. Uh, the guys have enjoyed having him, like we mentioned, back in, in the room the last few weeks. So uh, I think having him out on the field uh, will bring an element to our offense that is different. But how different, uh, I think, remains to be seen. We're all excited. Um, we've all waited for a long time for him to come back. But, you know, the same thing. You know, we got to go out there, got to work, can't get too distracted by anything and keep the main thing the main thing. It is an excitement for sure. Um, we have a diverse team. Uh, Watson provides a, a diverse aspect of the offense to, uh, you know, be in a different type of, not as different type of system, but provides more diversity. And, you know, it's an excitement. Um, is it a different vibe in reference to um, our intention? No. Uh, our intention is still to win, still to work hard, and still to execute. First, Kevin Stefanski on the return of Deshaun Watson. And he has, uh, uh, this is how I feel about Coach Stefanski, he has no choice. <laughs> This is above his pay grade. And so, yes, he's going to say all the right things about bringing Deshaun back and incorporating him into the offense. I wonder, though, as human beings, because they're all humans and they went into the fight, they went into the fire with Jacoby and Jacoby handled it so professionally. I'm really a fan of how Jacoby handled his business these last four months, even going back to the offseason where he was signed, he knew what he was signing up for. He knew that this was what would happen once Deshaun served a suspension. Now, you may remember, initially, they didn't know if the suspension would be a full year. 
now that Deshaun is back, Jacoby has to step aside and become a support role to him. And I wonder if there are Browns in that locker room who actually feel badly about it only because they love the way that Jacoby is led and he's done so without complaining. And I think that speaks volumes about who he learned from. Remember, he was drafted by the Patriots. Bill Belichick runs his franchise like it's a business. He learned from Tom Brady. Brady actually spoke about Jacoby on his Let's Go podcast. What a big fan he is of Jacoby. Even though he hated to lose to the Browns and Jacoby, he's thrilled for him because they remain good friends. I don't think we had a chance to play that part of the podcast, but I I did like what Brady had to say. So then you hear from Nick Chubb. On Deshaun taking over at QB as well as Jeremiah Owusu Koromoa, the linebacker, who brings a different perspective, but is also in that locker room. And so, yes, that is definitely a burning question. Todd says it on Facebook. How will Deshaun do? We saw him briefly in the preseason, very briefly. And it, the Browns were not thrilled with having him in front of people. In the preseason, it was still very new, well, very raw with the suspension and the appeal and then the settlement, and he did not speak on Wednesday. Instead, his teammates were speaking for him, and he returns against his former team exactly, get this, 700 days since he last played in a regular season game, January 3rd, 2021. More QB news coming up. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence, CBS Sports Radio.